joining us today in studio to discuss and expose liberation theology and Marxist Leninism in America and what we can do to stop it is uh, Dr. Wayne Sedlak, who's also a pastor. In fact, he's been 47 years in pastoral ministry, including missionary work in, in Africa. Thank you for being with us today, Pastor. Thank you for having me, Christian. So actually, while you were doing missionary work in the country of South Africa, you had a clash with some terrorists. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I came in to teach uh, actually clergy and, of course, the people in the pews. And we were doing a tour. I and a few others were doing a tour. Um, I was there also to meet with South African military, unofficially, and police. Including this was in the 80s, was this? This in the 80s, 19, yeah, late 1980s as well as police, the anti-terrorist police. The um, primary question they had, they knew what the terrorists were. They knew they were Marxists, of course. They knew what they were dealing with. But what they didn't understand is how they're recruited. Where are all these people coming from? Where are all these young... Why is it that so many of the high schoolers and the college people were being ensnared inside this liberation theology rhetoric, this so-called social activism? Really, it's just Marxism. And they couldn't figure out why are they all gumming the same words, rhetoric, and falling for it. That they did not understand. So I was there to try and teach them. Now, having being there, the Communist Party under Oliver Tombo got word of that under Joe Slovo, KGB Colonel Joe Slovo. Joe Slovo was also the head of the Communist Party. In he South certainly Africa. was. People don't realize Nelson Mandela. We know what the press has done with Nelson Mandela. They deified him. Well, he was still in jail at the time, and we were warning what was going to happen when he got out. Uh, when he did get out, I was we were gone. We were back in the States when he came out. When he did get out, Nelson Mandela stood in a stadium full of, of course, an audience full of his supporters and all that. And there's a big Soviet flag, hammer and sickle all, uh, the size of the flag would be about the size of this building, right behind them. And Mandela pointed to, to Slovo and said, that's the man that made me everything I am today. And, of course, they both did the communist salute together, and that was in the cover of the New American magazine at the time. That's right. My understanding was I was targeted by Joe Slovo. That's my understanding. So my vantage point, that's hearsay. But I was told by leaders. Now, the point was that they, did not, they didn't know my name initially coming in. And so one of the men, Dr. Ed Kane, put out a false itinerary. And that probably saved my life because they were looking for the evangelists that came from America. The anti-communist evangelist. Yeah. They, uh, they put out a hit to, to get me, but they had the wrong itinerary because Ed put it out, and they were looking in the east when I was in the west, and the north when I was in the south, et cetera. So he, he saved my life, is what Ed, the late, uh, late Ed Kane had done. Interesting, Ed Kane, a conservative Christian man, had lost three countries to the communists. He had lived in northern and southern Rhodesia. He was there with Ian Smith. Prime Minister uh, Ian Smith. That's right. They lost both of those to the Reds and lost Mozambique. He was there when the Reds took over Mozambique. He came to South Africa and he saw the fourth country. How'd you like to lose four countries to these people and hear the same march, the same banners, the same rhetoric? I'll tell you something, Christian. I held in my arms a young lady. Um, Pansy Shlapani was her name. This young lady had been paralyzed, a bullet in her back. Her family had been gunned down by communist terrorists. They left her for dead. I was helping her. We were in a room, this is maybe two years later. She was obviously in a wheelchair, helping her out. And on the screen was a march, not unlike what we get with BLM in the streets today. 
the Antifa types and all that, same rhetoric, just a South African version. And she saw on screen two of the men that she recognized that had gunned down her family right there in wow. the parade, underneath the banners of the CPSA, Communist Party of South Africa, underneath all the liberation theology stuff, um, Bishop Tutu and all the rest of the, the crowd. She saw that. She started screaming. She said, there they are. I'm holding this trembling um, African woman who was terrorized by what she saw on the television. They were never brought to justice, of course. They left her family for dead. All she did was tremble the entire afternoon. Not a, This does not have a happy ending. Um, Pansy Shapani died. Uh, she committed suicide several years later. Why? Because these kinds of people kept harassing her. Here's what we're going to do to you. You escaped the first time. This is what we're going to do to you. She'd get calls. She would get letters. She would get threats. They constantly harassed this poor woman to the point where they drove her out of her mind. So, And those are the people that later took power in 1994 when Mandela and the ANC and the SACP the very people that did it. took over the country. That's exactly right. So I was there to teach Christian leaders. To expose liberation theology. To and expose, you mentioned Bishop Tutu, one of the biggest promoters of liberation theology in Africa. What exactly is liberation theology? Liberation theology was first invented as a term by Gustavo Gutierrez, his book, Theology of Liberation, 1971. Basically, what it comes down to is sin is redefined as social institutions, uh, of course, the wrong social institutions from his perspective. His presuppositionalism is poverty exists because you and I and others like us exploit them. That's what it amounts to. So destroy or Class otherwise. Class warfare. That's right. My dad, you know, I had, a, I had a father that made, believe it or not, he forced his children to read his, his library, much of which was from the JBS. He knew Robert Welsh. He got a lot of the early literature. He wanted his children not to be raised, uh, or rather to be raised against the, the current. He understood all this stuff. He had been an expert in a court of law as a forensic accountant. He had helped get mafia. You know, he got out of all that. But he knew these types, especially in the unions, dealing with the 40s and the 50s, when the communists were very active in the Pittsburgh area, Pittsburgh and Keysport, uh, the Kohler strike, we well know, we know that. There's even a book on that uh, that JBS puts out. The point is is that the is that my father was very much knowledgeable as to their tactics. So he, he said, look, they have engineered, they meaning historians and theologians, have engineered our society. And he's teaching a young man, me. He said, when you face off against these people, you have to understand those that have engineered with revisionist, with revisionist um, historians. Now, my, my area as a professor, yes, I'm a pastor, etc. But my area as a professor is as a linguist. So I learned the Hebrew, the Greek, the Aramaic, the Akkadian, hieroglyphics. There's a slew of those ancient languages. Why? Because when you read those, those are the areas that many of the Marxists have captured. Then they re revisionist history. They reinvented the histories of the eras, brought them forward, and more modern historians don't know their ancient history. So they pick up class struggle. There's one. Class warfare, class struggle, the oppression of the rich against the poor, all that ilk that we've seen. And yes, there is that in the ancient world, so but it sounds they like the, it forward. So it sounds like the communists uh, became linguists so they could study and read this ancient history. Then they translate that into the modern uh, uh, tongues of today, English, German, sure etc. Sure they they write the books, and then those textbooks get revised with modern historians who look back at the old historians. Right. So the history that we get today in the public schools it's and universities is the revisionist Marxist history that was first written in the 1800s. All the departments, or most of the departments, I should say, uh, end up going to the ling linguists. 
The uh, linguists are basically the language arts. In my case, ancient language, linguistics, those kinds of things. But at some point, the English department, sociology, psychology, they all end up, in fact, Gutierrez, uh, highlighted psychological, sociological development. Well, who's it go back to? Historians, revisionist historians. So they always cons consult the linguists first, and then they become the experts. I'll give you an example, R.H. Taney. He's a Marxist. He's not a communist. He was, he was a Marxist. He reviewed uh, Weber's book, uh, The Protestant Ethic and the Spirit of Capitalism, a famous economic piece written in 1906. It traces where Christianity should go, historically has gone, in defending free enterprise. While Taney became the primary commentator on the, what is nicknamed the Weber thesis. Now, what do you think he's going to do with Weber? He tore him apart. But he tore him apart in a nice way. He kind of revised the meaning of what Weber said. And that's what liberation theology is. They revised right. Christianity, put a Marxist or even a Leninist veneer. Well, it's Marxism-Leninism with the veneer of Christianity, exactly you would right. say. They so you were the there in South Africa to expose that. But now we see that theology, liberation theology, permeating in America through all the churches. Um, and we also see the communism coming through our government. What can and should Christians and pastors and other people of good character do in America to stop liberation theology and communism in America? First of all, we have to understand that our enemies, the enemies of righteousness, I would put them, um, socialism in general, um, they are working on deceit. The, uh, it was once called the illusion of popular support. They do not have the popular support. But what they're trying to do is herd popular support in support of their positions, okay? What's popular support? Well, the only thing we can do, we're told, you and I saw it up in Madison, the only thing we can do to stop this avalanche of federal usurpation is what? Con-con, right? Convention of the States. So they heard us all in one direction. And there were, you know, it was good to hear common folk testify against the abuse of federal government. Long, I've waited for that now for five decades, actually longer. But people, good people all, well, not all, but good people are being herded to but one solution. So what can we do? Well, first of all... So the solution is not an Article 5 constitutional convention. The it real solution is, is interposition. The real solution, here's a book, folks. If you're going to read a book, second only to the Bible, in my estimation, for now and here in America, be this one, The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates. You can get it at jbs.org. Yeah, shopjbs.org. That's the one. My good friend, uh, Pastor Matt Trella, he and I have been doing this for 30 years plus together. Uh, he wrote, he was smart enough to write in a book. I put it in position papers, and you can get the position paper. It goes back for several decades to- On uh, your website, correct? Yeah, visionviewpoint.com. So in, in any event, but Matt wrote an outstanding book. It is, and I was there when he wrote it. I went through him of those years. Um, he wrote it and rewrote it and rewrote it. Two objectives, make it efficient, make it concise. Make it readable, usable, concise. And what's the, the, the premise of this book, and why should people read this book? Why is this the answer to stop communism and liberation theology as well in America? Here's what they didn't have in Africa. And I'm trying to teach my students there right now. And again, indigenous people, they have no defense. We do. We have the Bill of Rights. We have the Second Amendment. You know, Christ ordered, and I want to say this to my colleagues loud and clear. He ordered us, sell your cloak and buy a sword. There's no metaphor. Why isn't we don't obey the Lord there, but we'll obey him, say, with the gospel? I've never had one of my colleagues answer that. But getting back to your question, um, 
In Africa, they have no structure of resistance against rise of tyranny. Our forefathers put in place multiple layers of resistance. So if one was broken, you know, these people went through a war, and they had a great heritage preceding them. So if one hedge is broken down, another is still in place. So for all of the antics of the, of the Reds, of the socialists and the dupes that go with them, we still have much that can be done. It's There's not, a lot that can be done right now without resorting to arms. And yes, by the way, that's not a pacifist statement. Statement: You hold on to your guns. The Second Amendment is a backup and guarantees all the all the layers right. of the magistrates fail. That's exactly, and it's a hedge. Mm-hmm. So the point is, there is state nullification. There are states that are doing that right now. They're attempting to nullify executive orders. What they need is the people to get behind them. There is there is interposition of local magistrates. If you want to know what that is, go to visionviewpoint.com. You can learn about what we're doing, with, beginning to do with our counties, our sheriffs. We're back to support your local police, right? And keep them free. I mean, I learned that as a boy. Support your, your lo- police and keep them independent. That's exactly right. Support your local police was a banner that was put on the bumper, as a bumper sticker on our car. Now, at the time, you know, obviously I was young. I didn't fully realize, but my dad understood what it meant. Local police are more accountable. They are your neighbors. They have a vested interest in their neighbors. They're, they live among us. And they are, there's limited government. You know them. You can talk to them. They like you. You like them. You can reel them in if necessary. Mm-hmm. A national government like the Nazis, a national police force, we don't want. So in the case of in South Africa and other nations in Africa, they don't have – they did not have – They didn't have those structures. They didn't have the federal, system of federalism, of divided government of, of states and national government right. above that and even division of government. In America, we do have that. We have the states. We have the county level. So when the federal government goes astray, we see that as they depart from the Constitution. We see the advancement of right. Marxism-Leninism through the Biden administration, so-called administration, with Kamala Harris in the wing to take the Oval Office shortly probably. Right. And Pelosi and Schumer – pushing socialism with Bernie Sanders, uh, we can, the states and the people can do something, and that is interposition through nullification, correct? That's correct. Um, nullification is a vast subject. And I as, I, as I was going to charge, and did once, but not yesterday, they didn't let me, um, when asked, well, what can we do to rein in the federal government? In essence, my answer has been, you haven't started. What do you mean, what can you do? There's so many hedges that can be used. You haven't used the one of them. So you jump for what? Con-con? Convention said you use the one article, the one section, Article 5, that has never been used in our history, instead of the, the regular amending process. You jump for the most controversial. Judge Scalia said, don't do it. You know, they label us, the John Birch Society, and they label guys like me as, uh, as being ignorant of the law. Well, Judge Scalia knew something about the law, and he said, don't do this. So why? And Rehnquist did the same thing. Many of the major... Uh, jurists throughout our history warned against that second portion of Article 5, the con-con as we call it. I saw that as a kid. I knew those quotes. My dad pointed out to me, we've been battling this now for, what, six decades almost? I was weaned on this stuff. They keep coming with the same thing in Africa. They had none of those protections. At least, as I wanted to point out, at least our state government is attempting interposition, but they're going about it wrong. Absolutely right. And, of course, for those of you that are watching, when you refer to yesterday, you are referring to March 
24th in Madison, Wisconsin, when you were at a hearing with myself as well, That's right. to testify against the Constitutional Convention applications in Wisconsin for the Convention of States and Term Limits Article 5 conventions. And of course, these are not solutions to stop the tyranny of Marxism. The tyranny is, as you pointed out, from Matt Trello's book, The, the Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates, right. which it. one can get Read at shopjbs.org. The, the solution is nullifying these actions. And I don't get any royalties for promoting this. <laughs> this <laughs> well, is well worth it. Folks, just read it. Get the thing and read it. You won't regret it. You can do it in just a couple hours. It, our country depends upon that. Well, thank you again, Pastor. And, of yep. course, we people can find your website, your content again on... Visionviewpoint.org. Visionviewpoint.com, excuse me. Visionviewpoint.com. That's right. Thank you so much. Take care and God bless.